previously on the Adventure Zone. You gotta forget this night ever happened. You you walk through that gate and never come back. Right underneath uh, preservation of forest, my number two skill is forgetting about weird shit. <laughs> so you have you have come to the right department here. We can't really live without some sort of sustaining life force. You know the springs behind Amnesty Lodge? Those have enough juice, I think, for a lot of us to keep going. Uh, you can tell that this light that was in the water is now just gone. Good news is, I think we're safe from the time being because whatever was in that pool seems to be gone. Alright, mission accomplished. Well, Good work, Pine Guard, huh? Then we've got the bad news. Which is? I think maybe it went into... All the water? Like in town? Well, fuck. Bourdain came to West Virginia for an episode yeah. of his show. Anthony Bourdain tastes the world. Yeah, where where did he, he go? Was he very was he complimentary? He was, you know, he did all the stuff that we love. Um, eating, he probably like ate a rattlesnake at one point and was like, mm, now this is real country. And, you know, probably played ping pong at a church or something like that. But I'm trying to figure out how to, like, is he going to show up in the middle of a monster hunt or is Ooh, he going to, okay. that would be like, like he's a monster. That would, maybe he's a monster. Be like our third Bourdain reference in the whole series. That'd be very cool. That would free us from the podcast, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so the three of you arrive back at Amnesty Lodge, uh, and it's nearing sunset. And as you enter the lobby, you realize it's a bit emptier than than usually. Uh, as as you've huh, seen it, it's you a see- bit emptier than than usual. Yeah, and, and Aubrey Wait. says that. Um, and then you, you, so you see Barclay through the kitchen window. He's doing some dishes. Danny is sitting in a recliner by the front window, and she's she's reading a lamplighter. Uh, and both of them seem slightly on edge, and it only takes a few moments to figure out why as Agent Stern enters the lobby from the doors leading out to the hot springs behind the, the lodge, and he's he's wearing slippers and a robe. And he, looks, <laughs> he looks so refreshed and just happy as a clam, and he says, Ned, Aubrey, Duck, I, I can't thank you enough for helping me find this place. I didn't really know what to expect during my stay here in Kepler, but these accommodations are fantastic, and I must have lucked out, too, because my room doesn't appear to have any bed bugs at all. Well, they can be uh, small. They're real small around these parts. So you think they could? I'll, I guess I'll do an extra sweep. Thanks for the for the heads up. I didn't know you grew bed bugs extra small here in Kepler. It's for your convenience. <laughs> I actually just got out of the hot springs where I had the most lovely conversation with a man named Jake Cool Ice. He is a delight. Yeah, he's all right. Cool ice in the hot springs, huh? Love it. That's a day right there. Man, it's not a day. Yeah, it's quite a name. Ned, uh, I was hoping to come by in the morning to see the full Bigfoot video. Would that work for you? Oh, I'm speaking to the Junior Chamber of Commerce at their breakfast meeting tomorrow. Um, maybe, uh, maybe later in the day, perhaps. Uh, I'll, I'll find you. We'll figure something out. Sure. You all have a you all have a great evening, he says, and he uh, goes to retire to his room, and uh, Barclay enters the lobby from the kitchen, and he's drying his hands with a rag, and he says, uh, okay, so how did the investigation go? Uh, hold on. And Aubrey, like, makes sure that uh, the agent is gone. Yeah? He's, he's gone. Well, to answer that question, Barclay, um... Barclay, how are Bar- you? You've been here a couple months. It's weird that you. No, that's my nickname for Barclay. Bar- oh, cute. Barclay, Barclay, because he's. I got nothing. Um, Barclay, not great, honestly. No, mm, 
We we won, right? Well, um, I think in the effort of making this not a like extended in fiction repeat of what happened in the last episode, I thought it would be a good time to talk about what you all actually learned about the monster during about the abomination during your encounter with it. It's Alex Mack. One. It's not that. It is Alex Mack. It's a puddle. I mean, it's, a, it's a living puddle. Yes. That's Alex Mack, dude. It has the ability to like self-replicate, I guess you could say, or like like change its mass, but it does seem to be vulnerable to weapon attacks, right? Like we did seem to damage it with by attacking it, right? This is the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Is the creature the water or is the creature using the water? There was the light in the water that Aubrey you could see and Ned could see when he got very very close to it. Um, when viewed from outside, uh, the the light in the water is invisible um, and seemed to only be controlling the water that it was connected to. So Those to Justin's were, question, are we hurting it with weapons attacks or are we just separating it from the water it's controlling with weapon attacks? I, I think you lay all that out to, to Barclay and he, uh, especially when you mention like the light, he kind of perks up and he says... Okay, actually, you know, I I know what I said, but that kind of rings a bell. Let's let's retire to the privacy of Mama's office. I I think I might have something. Uh, and he walks you into Mama's office, and her her office has changed in her absence. It's much much neater and more orderly than the last time you were in here. Um, the maps and books that were once scattered all around the table and her desk have been organized into neat piles. There's no dishes laying all about. You get the distinct impression that Barclay has been wanting to clean this room for a very long time and finally got the opportunity to do so. Uh, and he walks over to a chest in front of Mama's desk and reaches in, and uh, he withdraws an old Macintosh power book. Um, and he kind of sighs as he pulls it out and tries to get it to boot up. What's that, Barclay? Uh, he, he says as he's, like, waiting for this thing to turn on, he says, okay, uh, so... Let me be clear. This isn't one of those, like, kids react videos. Like, I know that's a computer. <laughs> What's a I'm computer? Sure. All right. What's a computer? Um, he says, so, all right, so the, the Pine Guard was established after the abominations first started appearing in Kepler back in 1988. And some concerned citizens around town found out about the monsters and about Sylvain, and they took it upon themselves to start fighting back in secret... And th- their ranks have fluctuated since those days. Folks, you know, died fighting the abominations. Some packed up and left town. Mama's been with them from the start, uh, but she was trying to fight them alone for such a long time before she found me a few years ago. This computer used to belong to a dude named Thacker. He was with the Pine Guard from the start, too. He, he kept notes on everything they ever fought. And in this, the oldest functioning computer on this fucking planet. And he, like, <laughs> kind of slaps his palm against it, waiting for it to, to, to start. And he says, about six years ago, Thacker took off in the middle of the night without a word to, to anyone. And he kind of sighs, and he looks around the office, and he says, there's a lot of that going around these days. And then the computer plays its startup noise, and a few moments later, Barclay says, Okay, okay, back in 97, the Pine Guard went toe-to-toe with, well, they called it an elemental. It, it lived in fire and smoke. It could control it. It could move through it. And it took them, holy shit, it took them burning a whole mine out just to take it down. It kind of sounds like what we're dealing with today, right? Except it's water and not fire. Sure, but the concept of, you know, light inside of elements controlling it and using it as, as form and as a weapon, that, that it it sounds like kind of what we're dealing with. Was, was there any mention of a bright yellow bug light involved? He taps around. He says, yeah, obviously it's hard to see that in the fire, but they could see the light and smoke moving around. Um, and it only uh, it only controlled fire. Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's what this it, says. It didn't move to like earth or heart. No, it didn't. Uh, it didn't move to heart. That would be a wild monster, though. Somebody who could get inside of love. I just want to make sure we don't have to fight. I don't want to fight Captain Planet, and I just want to make if, sure. If, if we ever fight a monster that can control the power of heart, we're all fucked because that is the most powerful element imaginable. Obviously, that was the only one that had an animal friend. 
Wait, did I mean, Warner... I'll fucking stab love. I don't care. I'll try. I'm just yeah. saying, I don't think it's going to be that effective. That's fair. Uh, Barclay uh, puts on some glasses, actually some reading glasses that were already on Mama's desk, and he says, so it says here that magic and magically imbued weapons could hurt it, but not kill it. To, to kill something intangible, you need an intangible weapon? It, it doesn't say what they ended up using, though. Well, hold on. So if it moves through the element, could we starve it? If we could separate it from a source of water and then chop away, we could severely weaken it and and, and at the very least, maybe shrink it to a manageable mass? I mean, it's a really nice thought, but you're dealing with, I mean, you still got a question of humidity in the air. I don't think that we would be able to remove water moisture from the air at a sort of molecular level right there's no reason to think it would need a full body of water if it Hmm. could uh work with the humidity in the air barclay says it's an idea though and he opens up a new new like document on this very very old computer which probably takes like 45 seconds just to do uh and he starts taking notes on the on the water elemental uh and says we could we could maybe use that for the hunt um and then he clicks back to the fire elemental and he says says here that it was a pretty tough target to take down. Not not only did it possess incredible strength in the right environment, it also marked and pursued those it viewed as a threat to its existence. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, it says here, man, they lost someone on this hunt. A, a guy named Mike. It followed him into his car, got in the fuel line. Not Ugh. Mike. Oh, I love his hard lemonade. I don't know if I, I enjoyed his run on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Anybody else have any famous mics that they want to duck? You got one? I mean, they did too, I figure. Yeah, we're probably okay. Yeah, who needs a third to be funny? He says, if y'all went toe-to-toe with this thing in the water, you've we should probably keep in mind the possibility you've been marked too. You might want to stay out of bodies of Is, water till we wrap this one up. Should we send someone to check? On swimmer, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, what did he do that harmed the water? I think it sounds like he was just there when this thing showed up, or he peed in it. Another possibility. There's a flash that sways back and forth across the ceiling, um, a, a reflection of light against water from outside the window, immediately behind Barclay. And he says, okay, so no baths, obviously not in the hot springs or your tub or, or whatever. If you have any plans Wait, on waiting the in the green... what the hell was that? What was what? R- just now, right right behind you. Uh, that, that light on the ceiling now, it's swaying even faster now, um, like, a, like a bright light reflecting against the surface of water shining in from the outside. Hold on, just hold on a second, Barclay. We got to figure this out. You might um, want to step like over here, Barclay. Maybe away from the window a little bit. He stands up and faces the window, and through it, you can see down to the tall wooden fence surrounding the hot springs behind the lodge. And while normally this angle wouldn't allow you to see the waters. You can see them quite clearly now. They are floating in a perfect eight-foot-wide sphere hovering above the fence's perimeter. And trapped inside, thrashing ineffectively, is Jake Coolice. No! Uh, I When I said we got to figure this out, that was me leading into attempting to read a bad situation. So I would like okay. to do that now. Yeah, please. Um, and I got a seven plus one eight. Okay. You let's see. That gives me one question. Um, what's the best way to protect the victims? You need to get Jake Cool Ice out of this floating sphere of water. He, uh, you can tell that the fact that he's thrashing and stuff means he's not like uh, unconscious or dead. But you do not know how long he has been in that water, and you assume that he will be one of those two things if you do not get the fuck down there and get him out. Let's do that. Uh, one thing that we need to keep in mind with read a bad situation is while acting on the answers, you get plus one ongoing while the information is relevant. So if you do anything to get Jake Cool Ice out of the water duck, now you have a plus one to do so. Okay. Just like so I'm trying to clarify the situation for myself. It's outside, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Out like above the jacuzzi and we're inside, right? It is not a jacuzzi. It is like a hot spring. This is not like a <laughs> Motel 6. It's God's jacuzzi. You're it's God's. It's the mountain's jacuzzi. Yes. Uh, I, I'm i going to run outside. Okay. Aubrey, Ned? Oh, yeah. Is, is okay. Jake Cool Ice um, important? From Sylvain? Oh, Sorry, <laughs> is he essential personnel? Because <laughs> no. uh, yeah. we were trying to get into a groove just discussing what was going on, and I'd hate to lose that. Uh, yes, Jake Coolice is from Sylvain. The three of you and Barclay uh, go running out of the office uh, towards the the door uh, that leads out to the to the hot springs behind the building. I think Agent Stern actually like pokes his head out the out, out his bedroom door as he sees you all running and he's like, Is everything okay? Coyotes. Coyotes. Yes. coyotes. Got coyotes. Let's stay in your room. Yeah. Stay in your room. Please stay in your room. We got a coyote situation. But it's a protected it's a protected coyote that we have to uh, just kind of heard. Barclay's you know just Barclay's just like gone while you all are he does not want his precious boy Jake Cool Ice to die. Okay, uh, sleep good. Bye. I'm saying this is like as we're running past yeah, him. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's a forestry situation, man. Let me. I'll I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Everything's fine, partner. Just stay in your room because they can get a little vicious. Uh, he nods and shuts the door, and the three of you follow Barclay uh, down into the uh, through the door that sort of branches off the lobby down to the uh, down to the hot springs. You pass by a, a dressing room as you run down a set of wooden stairs and exit out into the hot springs. It's a uh, it has sort of a stone perimeter around the actual well where the water used to be uh, with like a wooden base actually inside of the pool. And it's surrounded by this tall fence, which is kind of lined with uh, stacks of towels and some buckets. And you are now face to face with the water sphere that Jake Cool Ice is trapped inside. I need to investigate. I want to know something really important that maybe we can see by just observing but is is the water is the sphere of water just free floating or is it, it connected? It is free free floating. It hasn't the, hasn't done that before. It had to. I mean, before at the pool, it was connected to the water, whatever shapes it made. This is not connected in any way. Yeah. Do we see the sphere of light in the in the sphere? I think. Yeah. I think this. Uh, that's a, that's a good point. I think this water is disconnected enough and not you know deep enough that you do see this light and it is it is uh almost like swirling around jake cool ice's form in the water um Bar- barclay what what is jake does it does it matter he's like looking around it he like might. he picks up a bucket and like throws it at the water and it just like gets sucked up into the form and he like shrugs, like I don't know. I threw a bucket. What do you do? Here's the thing. I I could maybe try to like blast him out of the water, but I, I'm not going to be able to do that without hurting him. I don't think. Um, Jake is now clutching at his throat. Uh, okay, and I'm, that's it. I'm gonna I uh, pull out Beacon. Yes, Duck Newton. This is well, I. Don't really know what we're supposed to do with this one, eh, Duck? It's uh, quite a challenge. Okay, Beacon. All right. Thank you for your input. That's great. And I extend him from his coiled position, and I tell Beacon, hey, hold on tight, partner. <laughs> and I chuck him at the yellow light. Uh, okay. I think this is going to be a kick some ass roll. My main goal is to protect someone. I'm I'm trying to distract. Basically, I don't intend on like hmm, trying okay. to damage the thing, but I'm trying to protect Jake Cool Ice with this move. So, like, even if it's not a direct hit or whatever, I'm trying to draw the heat. Basically, okay. How about this? Uh, then it would be a protect someone roll, right? Right. Um, That's since what I'm not intending to actually thinking. hurt it. So go ahead and roll plus tough. Okay, that is seven plus. Two, so nine on that. Okay, plus protect- one because I'm acting, acting under pressure. Good. Pressure. Okay, yes. so uh, you protect them. Okay, no, not you- acting under pressure. Acting uh, on my read a bad situation roll. Right, right, right. Uh, so on your protect someone on a ten plus, you protect them. Okay, uh, but you suffer some or all of the harm they were going to get. So on a ten plus, you get to choose an extra effect. You either suffer little harm, minus one harm. Uh, all impending danger is now focused on you. You inflict harm on the enemy, or you hold the enemy back. For on your read of it, would you hold the enemy back? 
pull him off of Jake, like in this particular situation? Yeah, I think I think here's how we could because I don't know how to do it. Like you free him by just like hitting him with a sword and you knock Jake Cool Ice out of the water as you launch a sword in his direction. Here's what I think happens. I think uh, the water fluctuates as this magically imbued sword like jabs into it. Uh, and you get this thing pretty close to the the yellow light, close enough that you don't actually uh, hit Jake Cool Ice with your very good roll. Uh, and I think as a result, uh, Jake Cool Ice kind of like unnaturally just like falls out of the water and lands on the on the wooden floor of the hot spring, uh, and the the water like shifts in the air and. Uh, it, it, it like moves around you and then closes and sucks you into the center of it now. And now you are uh, floating inside of this eight foot sphere. Um, uh, so Duck, cool Duck is extra tough, right? Uh, he, so J- he has armor. And what you have to keep in mind about armor in this game is it works in fiction like everything else. So like if he gets pounded by a big bear that his armor is going to help him out there. If he starts drowning or is crushed by, you know, a supernatural weight of water or is burned by a magic fire spell or something like that. Uh, uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Go on. <laughs> armor won't help him. Oh. Okay. And Ned, all well, uh, well, Duck was doing that. Ned has been knotting towels together and he has tied one end of it to one of the deck chairs sitting around the uh, hot spring area. Okay. I don't want to take a one of these chairs with, with the towels tied to it and throw the chair as hard as I can towards Duck. Uh, yeah, I don't even think you need to roll for that. And I think because you saw Barclay throw a bucket into the water and saw it just got absorbed, uh, that you know that that is exactly what happens here. And that is what happens. The deck chair goes into the water and gets sucked into its form uh, and is now floating next to duck now if you want to try to use this to retrieve duck from the water i think i you'll have to roll act under pressure or something like that that's what i want to do okay why don't you go ahead and roll act under pressure then um seven plus one for cool so that's an eight okay as you do this the deck chair goes into the the water and you see duck kind of recognize what you're doing uh as you are trying to achieve this uh and you are you know gripping on tight to the towels you see uh, a few almost like wire-like tendrils, these like gnarly looking tendrils, like six of them reach out of the water in your direction. And if you, you know, hold put and try to pull duck out of the water, these things are going to whip at you. Uh, do you do you move and compromise your rescue mission or do you take the hit? Ooh, uh, well, that that changes things. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Ned is as dedicated to uh, to to old duck as he is to you know not getting pierced by water needles. So that's the thing, man. Reflexes, yeah, the reflexes are tough. hard to shake. In the moment, you want to do the right thing, but in the heat, yeah. save your old buddy, yeah. duck. <laughs> Even the moment, so you're a good man, duck. I know you can figure this out, and then it gets out of the way. All right, I like that. I think your fight or flight response kicks in, and you roll out of the way as these uh, six tendrils like stab. You describe them as water needles, and I like that they just like stab in your direction, and you roll out of the way and avoid the damage. But as you do, you let go of the towel chain that you built, and now, uh, Duck, you are holding on to this this patio chair inside of the water, and the towels connected to it are just kind of like hanging down from the sphere. And uh, Ned, you are. Uh, safe from this danger. Aubrey, Woo! Close call! Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Aubrey is going to hope and pray that Duck's toughness wins out as she blasts the sphere with some fire. Interesting, okay. Well, so I'm trying to be really controlled. I looked this up. Water turns to steam at 212 degrees. And so I'm hoping, since it is a uh, it was hot springs to begin with. It's not going to take much, so I'm not like aiming at duck. I get, I get what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So go ahead and this would be a kick some ass roll. So I rolled a ten minus one for tough. Aubrey, that, no, no, no. You it? roll with you roll with weird for your kick some. Oh, ass. then it's an ele- uh, Then it's a twelve. It's a ten plus two then for weird for magic. Okay. Uh, on that, you you and the water deal damage to each other, but with a on ten a plus. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, on any kicks and mass, you and your enemy deal damage to one another. On a 10 plus, though, you pick an extra effect. You gain the advantage. Take plus one forward to give plus one forward to another hunter. You inflict terrible harm, plus one harm. You suffer less harm, minus one harm, or you force them where you want them. I would like, can I force them where I want them and push them off? Uh, I don't think that's how that would work, right? I, I get Okay, the, then I want to grant one forward to Doug. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, I like that. So, uh, like, create, not use it to create an opportunity. Sure, for him to for escape. Doug. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you blast this thing, and how much harm does your fire spell do? Two harm plus two harm fire. And if you get a 10 plus on a combat magic roll, the fire won't spread. So uh, that's harm, that's so. fine. I don't know how it would have spread your your blasting water. It's like if essentially it is dousing your flames as you put them out as you as you launch them. Um, you actually get the feeling that you are not doing as much damage to this water with your fire magic than you should be. You are creating a significant amount of steam, which looks fucking rad. Like it uh, it hits the the surface of this water sphere, and you know as the as the the fire contacts it, like there's a ripple that travels through the sphere. Um, but it it is it does not seem super effective to combat this thing with fire in the way that you are. Uh, that you are used to. Um, and I think those needles that were going after Ned, like whip around and instead of piercing you, they just whip uh, towards you and lash across you and you take two harm. All right. Uh, Duck, you are up. Now this thing, because it like turned its attention to Aubrey, uh, some of the water, it's not like a perfect sphere anymore. It's a bit misshapen and you get the impression that if you did want to escape, you you would have an opening to do so. Did I steam some to. off too? Like, did, did yeah, I think surface? you steamed, I think you definitely steamed uh, some some of it off. It's it's hard to tell, right? You can't like identify how much volume of water is floating but in the I air. But I can tell that Duck's uniform, no wrinkles. No wrinkles. Perfect. Perfectly pressed. Where am I in relation to Beacon right now? Uh, you see Beacon. You're you're right next to him. And is he he within the light? Is he near the light? Uh, yeah. You're both pretty close to the light. Okay. Um, I'm gonna grab Beacon and try to stab it into the light. What's that? Uh, what's plus one radical. forward do? Uh, it just gives him plus one on his next roll. Oh, excellent. whatever it is. Uh, you would not get your read a bad situation bonus because you are no longer saving Jake Cool Ice. Jake Cool Ice is uh, Jake Cool Ice right now is like climbing out of the empty hot spring and he's like coughing up some water as he does so, but he is safe. Okay, uh, a non great roll. I rolled a six, uh, which plus, is a, plus tough plus pl- one plus tough so plus two, so an eight plus one uh, for plus one. Oh, so nine. Uh, okay, w- what does this look like? I reach out and basically grab the he- beacon's hilt uh, with my fingertips. I think it's just in reach. And I sort of, uh, it's tough. I can sort of make out where the light is. I can, and I can't really build up much speed at all. I'm still kind of underwater, but as, as much as I can, as, as uh, uh, I, I kind of grab both hands on the hilt and just kind of jam it in the direction of the light, hoping that I can get a piece of it. Uh, how much damage does your weapon do? So that's one harm for the handle, and then one harm for the blade. So I guess two... And, and your I weapon ha- has the magic tag, so yes. it does magic damage. So you, you And s- it's an area tag, so I don't know if that assists uh, That's for if you're case, fighting, but... like, multiple things. Right, uh, you okay. stab this thing forward into the light, and uh, as you do so... The light, like, you're right up against it, so you can see it pretty clearly. Uh, it, like, spasms in a in a strange way. I think, actually, the whole... Oh, this is great. Ned and Aubrey, you actually see all the water kind of, like, spasm outward, and the sphere actually, like, goes up in the air another few feet, and it forms this weird abstract shape in the air, almost like this thing is, like, losing control a little bit. And then it all, in, like, the blink of an eye... Uh, like sucks back in and duck uh, as it sort of reforms the pressure inside this water gets like so intense. It is like crushing you like you are, you know, very, very deep in the ocean without a suit. And it actually also gets kind of hot and you take two harm uh, ignoring armor as it kind of like crushes you. Um, But as it, after it does so uh, Ned and Aubrey, you see the sphere of water, now just sort of succumb to gravity and fall and splash back down into the pool. 
Um, and it obviously splashes up quite a ways as it does so. And Duck, you see the light quickly zip away and into a vent in the pool and disappear. So the hot springs is connected to the water supply? Listen, okay, we could. How they eat and breathe is just a show. Just relax. Technically... The wastewater system and the regular water systems of a city are not connected. And so, like, there's a lot of a lot of ways to figure it out. But, yeah, maybe you get the idea that this thing doesn't it can it is weird, man. Hey everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your Dungeon Master, your best friend, and your uh, thirsty boy. I'm very thirsty when we're recording this, and that's okay, because I'm here to quench my thirst with the friendship of my brothers, who are also here. Hi! Hello. Why are we here? Well, you're here because we have something, a a project that we are working on, a collabo, that we wanted to talk about before we got into the rest of the ads. Uh, Juice, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, so a few years back, I got really into this... Geocaching. Geocaching, and then after that, I got into this organization called the Mysterious Package Company. Um and if you haven't heard about them, a lot of different people have recommended them. I know Neil Patrick Harris is a fan, and I was also a fan of the the this organization that basically tells stories through the mail. They have a lot of different um, – they call them experiences that you can have or give to a friend um, where and, – and, and the whole narrative, the whole thing that happens is – sent to you through the mail. Um, and- if I could jump in with my experience with it, Justin signed me up for one, um, and and I didn't know, so I started receiving, and the name is pretty applicable, Mysterious Packages. Yes. That included letters and, like, maps and, like, pirate treasure and stories about, like, this uh, person who had gone to do, like, a salvage dive and had found these pirate things who was being hunted by like marauders trying to reclaim the treasure and Ooh, it all scary, scary stuff. Yeah, and it all come and it not only is it letters, I also at one point like faux, fake ivory, but like a carved ivory tusk and like a message. Travis, in a that's uneth it's not ethical. It was fake ivory, Griffin. Okay, it was not it was better. synthetic but still like still physical the po- stuff. The point of all this is that we have been working with them and we are creating with the mysterious package company our own uh, experience that you, our beloved listeners in Bachelor Nation, <laughs> will be able to enjoy. It is Taco's Correspondent School of Wizardry, Cantrips, and Other Magics. Uh, you can pre register for this exciting correspondent school, this exciting magical correspondent school. Maybe not right this second. This is a pre order. I think it's going to be going on for a few weeks. I'm not sure on that exactly. Now, to be um, clear, Justin mentioned it's a pre order. This is the kind of thing where, like, we're going to be selling these for a while. And then we're not going and to be never them ever anymore. again. Yes. Um, so this is going to be like a standalone side story that it it tells. If you are, uh, you know, you don't want to or aren't able to uh, pay for it and and sign yourself up or a friend up for the box, it's fine. You are not missing out on some huge chunk of the balance lore. Um, but it's going to be really neat. It's going to have cool puzzles and uh, a neat actual like physical reward. That's something that comes with all of the mysterious packages whenever you complete them. Um, and we're very excited about it. This is actually the first time that the uh, Mysterious Package Company has teamed up with another like company to create an experience. So we are happy to be working with them. So sixty four ninety nine is the the price for the experience. You can get it for yourself or as a gift. There is also a uh, limited edition, I guess, like bonus edition that is ninety nine ninety nine. That just <laughs> I think it has maybe another uh, 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 so, some bonus items from. It's a chef school. Basically, you can sign up for the magic school and Taco's now defunct chef school as well. If you would like some paraphernalia from Taco's now defunct uh, cooking school, that is available to you as well. 
but the base package is sixty four ninety nine, and I know that's a lot of money. So if you can't sw- if you can't get it, it's all good. Like there's no hurt feelings here. But that price covers like a bunch of really cool stuff. cool stuff. It's yeah. gonna be worth it. I promise. It's, it's gonna be really yes. neat. I want to find a balance between it's going to be amazing, but also like you're not gonna find out what secretly really happened in the balance arc. Yeah, you pay for it. It's neat, um, and it'll just be a, like a fun thing. So if you want to do it, it'll be it'll be really fun. There'll be neat stuff. We're sort of like crafting the story as it is. Uh, there'll be some audio elements, some a digital stone of far speech that you'll use to talk to uh, Trace Horny Boys, and um, it's gonna be neat. I just think it's I, we, I just thought it was a cool thing, and I think that if you sign up for it, I think you're going to be uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm I'm very We're very very, very excited. Yeah. This is so happening. so the pre order link. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be live when this episode goes up. But uh, keep an eye on our Twitter, and we will let you know as soon as it's available to pre order. And I think that's it, boys. You want to stick around for the rest of the ads? No, nah, you got it. I'm going to go make burgers. Okay, I'm going to eat Travis's burgers when he's not looking. Kind of wimpy from Popeye. Can I get a burger while I'm done? No. Okay. You can have one right now. Next up, I want to tell you about Utopia, and this one's fun and really hard for me as a sort of person who talks for the advertisements, because it's E-W-E-Topia. That's E-W-E-T-O-P-I-A. Waiting for your party to arrive, Utopia is a quick-playing, handmade, artisanal board game of deceptively tactical sheep herding that's ideal for kids and adults alike. Featuring adorable sheep and pups, Utopia is easy to learn, difficult to master. A sheep adventure that marries gin and labyrinth and will twist your brain into rotini. Play it with friends at a pub or against three toddlers and a trench coat who will hustle you for your money. you got to watch out for that. I'm so glad to get that PSA out there. Thank you. So you can visit utopiagame.com. Again, it's E-W-E-topia game.com and order yours today that's ewetopiagame.com because sheep puns are great next up i want to tell you about a new book by an author named william bridgman called the grand tour travels in the twilight of magic uh william has this to say hey all you adventure zone lovers i don't know if that means you love adventure zone or you You know, if you're looking for another great story to enjoy, check out my book, The Grand Tour Travels in the Twilight of Magic. Join us as we journey through Victorian Europe with Henry and William, young men who discover the hidden world of magic, fairies, and old gods. But this magic is dying, and spirits will sacrifice anything to save it, including mankind. The Grand Tour is free to read and updates weekly at williambridgman.com. That's williambridgman.com. I want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. I sure do appreciate you spreading the word about the show uh, it's how we have found uh, most of our audience and so we only have the listenership that we have now because of you all and the things that you've done and we just wow it just really means a lot also if you do it you might end up as a character on the show like sam thacker who is thacker who's a character on the show so deal with it I also want to thank the Maximum Fun Network for having us on the network. You can go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows that they have there. Shows like uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself and Tights and Fights and Lady to Lady and Switchblade Sisters and so many more, all on MaximumFun.org. And if you want to hear more stuff that we do, you can go to McElroyShows.com. That is it. And we're going to let you get back to the rest of the episode. Oh, one last thing. Travis is actually about to go on vacation. So we will not have a regular episode for you uh, two weeks from now. Instead, we will have for you the live episode that we recently did in Dallas. Uh, It's a special episode that takes place inside the balance campaign that I think you're all really going to enjoy. So that'll be our next episode. And then we're going to get right back into Amnesty, uh, the episode after that. So the next episode is going to go up in two weeks. So that is going to be on May 17th and uh, it's going to be our live episode from Dallas and we think you're going to enjoy it and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. A duck pokes his head out of the water and he kind of like puts two fists sort of limply up in the air and says, da 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 Well... Jake Jake Coolice Jake Coolice laughs. He's like <laughs> that was and he throws up some water. Uh and he goes, huh, that was so not tubular. <laughs> it is a shame though. While floating in the water, I was so assured of Doc Newton's destruction. I had begun fantasizing about my next owner. Would they be exciting, willing to take adventures? <laughs> 
Uh, so many possibilities awaited me while I had a pleasant daydream in the water, but I was very happy to see you survive, Doc Newton. Duck's hat is floating on the water, and Ned, <laughs> Ned, Ned sheepishly picks it up and and hands it to Duck. Yeah, thanks, man. Listen, um, I get it. <laughs> I do. I mean, I get it. And I, I guess it was, let me say this, you had a good idea. If it makes you feel any better, I wanted to save you. So my heart was in the right place, but my nerves apparently were not. I, you know what? It doesn't make me feel better. I'd say zero sum sort oh. of thing. It doesn't make me feel worse, but that's, it's all right. Listen, the important thing is that that thing is gone. Well, and yeah. Jake Cool Ice. In my defense, to... I really overestimated the absorbency of the towels. I thought that was going to really do something. You thought, just so I'm clear, you thought you were going to maybe soak the monster up. <laughs> like the brawny paper towel. Yeah, I, that was kind of on the peripheral of my uh, my idea. To be fair, the brawny paper towels does advertise that like Niagara Falls sucks their head up. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. see? So uh, I'm a victim of advertising. It, Ned, in hindsight, I'd like to withdraw me saying that you had a good idea. <laughs> um, while this is happening, Aubrey is just like staring at her hands and she says, I, I hit it as hard as I could. Yeah, me too. Um, I didn't do hardly anything to it. I'll be honest with you all. I kind of imagined Duck buries his magic sword in the light was something of an end game. Uh, I didn't actually. Uh, I don't actually have a plan B beyond that. Um, Barclay hands all of you some towels and says, "Dry ones, I hope." Yeah. Did, don't says, worry, uh, they're not very absorbent. <laughs> he says it. Uh, it seems like we have a lot of stuff to figure out. It. Let's head back inside and figure out what comes next. But yeah, so far, listen, I have like one box to check, and if it's not fire, right? Question mark. He says, "Yeah, we, we we can figure that out too." But y'all, it knows where you live now. I gotta, I gotta close down the hot springs until we slay this thing. And the folks here, they need the springs, like to live. And so, yeah. n- not that this wasn't true before, but time is times of the essence. It's a few moments later now. You're back in the office, drying off with these towels, making sure not to track water into the uh, very clean lobby of Amnesty Lodge. Um, and uh, Barclay enters after the rest of you, uh, and he is joined by a woman you've seen in the lobby several times now. Uh, she is. She's always dressed very proper. She's always, almost always sitting at the piano. Uh, and as the two of them enter and shut the door behind them, she pulls a hairpin out of her hair. And as she does, she takes on a ghostly, translucent form. And she says, what does she sound like? Should I do British on this one? Yeah. Should, oh, yeah. Do it. She says, uh, oh, my goodness, what a relief. That's British? Oh my goodness, what a relief. <laughs> this that federal agent has been breathing down my neck all evening. Should I go full cockney? Oh my goodness, what it a just relief. It seems like when you went British, you just kind of got very went, airy. Yeah, I think British went people more just like speak very airy. Yeah, go I'm Eliza gonna, Doolittle. Uh, Eliza Doolittle. I'm not, not going to maintain British. I'm just going to do airy. Okay. Um, and Barclay says, Moira, we need to get ourselves our hands on a a magical intangible weapon and i don't know what that is so i'm thinking it's our time our friends here met the enchanter and moira laughs and she says yes i suppose it was only a matter of time well then we should hurry the the moon is large and lovely right now we should be able to get you all to sylvain without much trouble sick okay groovy is moira a ghost yeah it certainly seems that way uh, yes, yeah, she's a ghost. I don't know why I'm being cagey about it. Yeah, I do want you to picture, like, Aubrey running her hand through Moira just at least once, because that's what I would do. <laughs> she says, okay, everybody gets one. Do you, Ned and Duck, do you want to get yours out of the way? No, or? I'm going to save mine for later. Aubrey can have mine. Okay, Aubrey. <laughs> and I can... do it again. Okay, that's it. <laughs> can you feel it? The idea of feeling is kind of weird. Close your me. eyes and tell me if I'm doing it. Well, you already did. Okay. Okay, close your eyes. 
Did I do it? Yeah, you did it. Ah, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> this is not a fun game for me. She puts she puts she puts her hand through you. Can you feel that? <laughs> no. Yes, you can. Don't. Okay. Do it again, um, but do it like like I'm a mech. You know what I mean? Where? Okay. So like, you don't want me to ghost into you. It's a. Oh no! Wait. It, do it and then Doc pretend to like open palm hit me right and then Mora you go flying backwards out the back. We're not going to do Doctor Strange fan fiction. We got <laughs> things on. to do tonight. <laughs> Um, the four of you are walking through the forest toward the gate, and it is indeed lovely tonight. The sky is clear, allowing the moon to pierce the canopy of the pine trees overhead, um, illuminating your passage through the woods with ease. Uh, the remnants of the summer cicadas are singing a, a, a quiet song from deeper in the forest, backed by the sound of the, the fallen pine needles that crunch beneath your feet with each step. And Moira explains... So the Enchanter is a mysterious being. It, it has taken many shapes and names for as long as I've known it. It resides in the catacombs beneath the city where it does its work tinkering with imbuing the light of Sylvain into various trinkets and odds and ends that it collects. If you wanted to cooperate, though, you're going to have to deliver it an item of value from this world. Collecting earth artifacts is, is one of its favorite pastimes. And um, she reaches into a handbag she's carrying. Uh, she is in her human form. Uh, she reaches into a handbag she's carrying, and she retrieves a set of pearl earrings, which she hands to uh, Ned. Uh, and she says, I think these should suffice for what you all require. It is a crafty one, the Enchanter, but it remains straightforward in its business dealings. She says, I would take you directly to it if I could, but once exiled from Sylvain, we are... Never allowed to return. Just find your way into the catacombs and follow the sound of the wind. You'll get there. Do you eat? Um, I do not require physical sustenance. Just a, a dip in the hot springs every now and then to sort of refill my, I don't know, life force or whatever you mm -hmm, want to call it. Mm -hmm. we, we but used could to get... you eat? And if you did, would it fall straight through? It would be weird. I honestly haven't tried since I took on this spectral form, but you seem intent to do some sort Were of... Were you born a ghost? No. When when a citizen of Sylvain perishes in the presence of Sylvain's light, they they don't die in the traditional sense. They're given a reprieve in, mm -hmm. in these ghostly forms until they've decided that they've found the peace that they require before passing on for good. That's actually what makes living on this side such a distasteful prospect for those living in Sylvain. If we die over here, we are not granted that reprieve. And what, mm. what kind of being were you before? I was a sylph. I, like, much like Danny, I suppose. I, I know a your vampire. knowledge of her. If... That's the way that you want to classify it, sure, a, a vampire. Okay. But we don't deal with labels so much. Uh, I would prefer not to. Um, the four of you arrive at the clearing, and you find a familiar scene. Um, amidst a blanket of pine needles stands the archway, lit from above by the, the dazzling moonlight overhead. Um, and Moira reaches into her handbag and retrieves a small compact mirror, which she catches the moonlight in and directs it towards the gate. And as she does so, the span of the archway is filled with white light. And she says, uh, a moment, if you will, Aubrey. Yeah? I know you're searching for answers about the origins of the magic that dwells within you. If you have the time, you may find it prudent to inquire about your abilities while in Sylvain. It is a land rife with arcane energies. It is likely that someone over there might have some answers to your questions. Point of order, Duck, didn't the Goathead fellow tell you that you could never set foot in Sylvain again? Ah, shit, that's that's true. Mora, why, why do you think that would have been? Uh, obviously, we... Uh, I, I shouldn't say we anymore. The citizens of Sylvain have many reasons not to trust humankind. Um, but if you all are members of the Pine Guard... The arrangement, I believe you'll find, has changed significantly. You all should be free to walk around there. As long as you have your patches, you all have your patches, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. 
Ned, you sounded like you maybe don't have your patch. Well, I was wondering if I had had time to get my tattoo yet, but no, no, I, I've got my patch. A tattoo is a novel idea, but the patch itself is crafted from sylvan wool. There's a, a curse bestowed upon earthlings who enter our world, and having a garment crafted from any sort of sylvan, sylvan fabric will protect you from it. So it's important you keep the patch on you as well. I do. I've got it on a, a scarf. Aubrey is just like bouncing to go through the big glowing doorway. Hey, listen, just as a warning, y'all, it's weird over there. And, you know... Okay, bye! (laughs) She runs through. Aubrey rushes in. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I follow behind. (laughs) Shit. All right. The three of you step through the gate. Uh, Ned, you last, and I think you see Moira giving you, like, a kind of condescending thumbs up as and that's the last thing you you see as you step through and for a moment the three of you are all weightless in this bright white expanse you feel wind whipping through you almost as if you're you're falling through a long tunnel and these rings of light are pulsating around you as you fly and then the three of you step out of an identical gate and into another world, into Sylvain. You're standing in a large circular pavilion surrounded by large stone columns holding up a solid stone roof 20 feet overhead, and through the columns directly in front of you, you can see the city. And as you might expect, you've never really seen anything quite like it before. There's a long, dust-covered road that extends outward from this pavilion and serves as a main drag through the town, and it's lined with shops and restaurants with outdoor seating all occupied by diners of shapes and sizes that you can't quite discern from a distance. Um, And off the road to the east, the town scales up the side of a steep hill where these small, colorful cottages are piled on top of one another, leading up to the peak where a quaint-looking park sits. Uh, To the west, a series of several large buildings are arranged. Just off the main drag, you see what looks like a school, a large library... Uh, what appears to be like this world's version of a hospital, uh, more functional buildings as opposed to the residential district built onto the side of the hill. And though you find something kind of relatable about the layout of the city, there's something decidedly alien about the architecture. To put it succinctly, where most of our world's architecture is based around like clean angles and rectangular geometry, buildings in Sylvain are are more round. Not, not Susian, but like with far more curves and far less uniformity than any city you've ever seen before. And so the main drag, it cuts across a bridge spanning a small river that cuts the town in half. And beyond it, you see something more surprising still, a castle of gray cobblestone. It's the largest building in sight with these huge gardens that extend from its walls, reaching nearly all the way down to the river. And immediately in front of this castle is a large courtyard, which hosts the most eye-catching feature of the entire city, a crystal jutting up through the ground, standing 15 feet high. There's a bright orange light pulsating from within this shape. It is an impressive thing, even though the side of it appears to have a, a large chunk missing, almost as if it's been cleaved off completely. And as you all enter through the gate, two guards approach you from the columns in front of you, and they're both holding spears. One of them has uh, sharp fangs that they're bearing and bright orange eyes, not unlike the features you've you've seen on Danny in her undisguised form. And the other guard simply has a squirrel head for a head. <gasps> Doc, get my picture with it. Oh, the, squ- the squirrel hears you say this and says, Do not move, earthlings. Explain yourselves immediately or face your doom. I can do selfie mode. I don't have to move. The other guard kind of sighs as this other guard says this very dramatic thing, but raises their spear towards you nonetheless. We are Pine Guard! Yeah. They look at each other and then look back at you with their spears still raised. Uh, oh. We kind of thought, I'll um, I dig out my wallet and take the patch out. Uh, yeah, we're, we're trying... We're, we're from the Pine Guard? Do you all... Does that not mean anything to y'all? We were under the impression that it would be... I thought that would work. Yeah. Is that not a thing? Is that not a thing? Pine Guard, we protect... 
Earth and Mama. Do you know Mama? You know Mara. She's a ghost. Uh, Barclay. Barclay. Coolie. Jake Coolie. Any any of that ringing a bell? Mama? Danny. 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 Any of this? Danny, and we're Pine Guard and we Enchanter. Enchanter. You say, Ench- say the Enchanter name. Enchanter. Why would well, that mean? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, Pine Guard. Pine Guard. Pine Guard. The squirrel turns to the other guard and like kind of chitters in its ear, and they like shake their head like I don't, I don't, I don't know. But their conversation is broken up as a familiar face climbs the stairs to this pavilion, um, and you hear a voice say, "I thought we had an arrangement, Duck Newton. You care why to explain why you've returned despite your promise?" And it is it is Vincent, the the goat man. Hey, Vince. Yeah, I, I was trying to be. We're in the Pine Guard. I kind of thought that would be all that y- y'all would need to hear. That's what Maura said. But you know what? I did. I maybe should have put her through due diligence now that I think about it. I did just kind of accept that as gospel. But we're looking for an enchanter because we got a lot of your people over on the other side that are going to be in a pretty bad way uh, if we don't get our hot spring fixed up. There's some sort of elemental creature of some sort that's making it uh, pretty inhospitable at the moment. Um, he listens to you. As soon as you said you were in the Pine Guard, you see a big smile across his face, and he says, Yes, I figured it was only a matter of time. I We only met for a brief while, but I figured that this was probably in the cards. Um, I apologize for the inconvenience, but could you provide some proof of your testimony? Yeah, I mean, I got... I got it right here. I've still got the patch in my hand, um, so I show it to him. He nods, and he says, So you've come to see the Enchanter. I assume you need some help hunting down one of the abominations. We've found it a couple times now, and I think it's going to come for us. We more need help in the killing part of it. And, sorry, what were your friends' names, Doc? Uh, it is Aubrey and Ned. Yo! Hi! He smiles and he says, my name is Vincent. I am the Minister of Defense here in Sylvain. I understand. You need to see the Enchanter. I can take you to him. Um, cool. I, I All right, must, let's go. I must um, insist I accompany you as long as you are in our world. And I must also insist that you make your introductions to the Interpreter, as is custom for those who serve to protect Sylvain from the world beyond. And the Interpreter? Who is that? My, you seem to not know much about our world at all. I I suppose that makes sense. It's our first day here. Yeah. Like, let me ask you about the fucking cast of friends. Like, what? You're talking about Matt LeBlanc and Matthew Perry. Oh, oh, God, God, son of a bitch. He's good. He says, He's real the, good. The interpreter does just that, interprets the will of Sylvain, which helps to form the laws that govern our world. I suppose you could think of them as a kind of ruler here, uh, unelected, obviously, and with checks and balances represented by their ministers. It, it is custom for those who, who serve in the Pine Guard to at least make introductions to the interpreter, but that can wait. Uh, she is resting now, as is. We can go see the enchanter and then just swing by for a quick pit stop later. Um, Quick question, and forgive me, because I'll probably end up just, like, asking everybody we run. Um, do you have, like, magic tutors or a book i could read about i let me start here i do magic uh both stage and real he looks surprised when you say when you say that Snap fingers thumb lights on fire boom there he he gets very close as you do this and you see like the light of the fire uh like flashing across his face and his eyes get and his weird goat eyes his eye, his goat eyes are beautiful. Um, he says, um, "This is no parlor trick, correct? This is real magic." No, do you want to see that though? And then like card trick. Okay, you do a quick card trick. He says, "I can do both." He says, "I. This is quite curious. I, I, I suppose I can introduce you to the minister of the arcane in our world. They might be able to help you out." Hell yeah! Obviously, is, uh, is that Cornelius Fudge? <laughs> From the Harry Potter books? God damn, damn you're good, Jamie man. Christmas. I cannot get one past you. He smiles and he says, Aubrey, I must ask, you are you are not Sylvan, are you? Human as they come. I see. I think. That is quite curious. I think it would serve all of us very well to know 
where your powers come from. Um, I will make an introduction to the Minister of the Arcane when we stop by the castle. Um, but for now, let's let's carry out your errand. And he nods, and the other two guards like lower their spears and question. Um, step Do out. we need to pretend to not? be here is it gonna be weird that we're here are people gonna look at us weird oh people are definitely going to look at you weird but there is an arrangement that has existed between our people and the pine guard for some time now so you will find some amount of understanding from the citizens here okay and vincent starts walking you uh down that main drag toward the hill the residential district on the east side of town um and you pass by several blocks of these colorful round buildings and as you do you get a clearer picture of the folks who reside here uh, a lot of them are like danny and the the guard by the entrance similar to what our world would consider vampires with these fangs and bright eyes um some of them have that kind of ghostly form that moira showed you all uh, but they they seem to just be like conducting their business in the same way as everybody else here. You see a, a ghost float out of a bakery carrying a box of freshly made there pastries. There a baker with his tray like always. Um, and this, <laughs> this ghost is, is chatting happily with the shop's corporeal owner. But you also see a lot of beings with various earth animal characteristics. You see people with the fur and fangs of wolves. You see more squirrel-like people. You see some bipedal bird people. There's a, a lizard person busking on the streets playing a, a beautiful song on a harp. Vincent, can I ask you a quick question? Yes, go ahead. How long have people been crossing over to our world? Because this would explain a lot of stories and folktales and stuff. I would not venture to say that we are responsible for all of your world's lore. That would be... That would be irresponsible of me. But you could probably trace some of the stories of your world to uh, Sylvans who crossed over and, for whatever reason, made themselves known to the human population. Our worlds have been connected for centuries and centuries, so I would imagine that perhaps some of the stories of your world could be attributed to our people crossing over. Uh, but your people have been crossing over into our world for centuries, too. And not just humans. Animals, too, have wandered through the gates. That's where I come from. As, as time passed, the light of Sylvain gave the animals who wandered into our world new forms and gave us a place in our society, which was a rocky transition at first, but now we're just as much valued citizens of this place as those who originated here. And as he says that, he, like, nods to just a a dog person, a person with the... the I'm a dog person. A, this is a literal, <laughs> a literal dog person. Um, and finally, you reach the foot of the residential district, where Vincent directs you towards a large stone circular door built into the hill, uh, which he slides open and then lights a torch mounted by the door and leads you down several flights of stairs into the catacombs under the city. And you walk for several minutes through stone-carved tunnels and the, the sound of the street and music uh, from the city above fade behind you until you can only hear wind that is growing louder as you navigate the twists and turns of the catacombs. And finally, you turn a corner and you see no tunnels in front of you at all, just a platform overlooking a large chasm that swallows the light of Vincent's torch, expanding into what seems like infinite darkness. And he motions you forward and he says, watch your step. And he kind of kind of smiles. Hmm. Is there, okay. a, is there a safety rail? No, I can talk to Public Works to try to get one installed, I suppose, if that's a concern of yours. No, no, I worry about my friends, you know, falling yeah, off I got, the edge. I got two points of armor, man. I'm I'm fine. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, yeah, let's step very, very, very carefully onto the platform as close to jumping back as whoa, I can. Whoa, Ned, whoa! <laughs> Vertigo! Whoa, whoa Ned! Oh, it's so and Aubrey's just fucking with Ned. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whoa, oh, pretty far down, huh, Ned? Whoa. Ned, come look. Come look. Mm, no, I'm good Good right here. This way oh, I can keep so an eye far. on the... Uh, I want to keep an eye out with my peripheral vision, just, you know, in case of danger. As you all step out onto this platform overlooking the chasm... 
it is silent for for a moment and then i think your footsteps like kick off some dust that you hear fall down the chasm and then you hear really loud breathing coming from below loud rhythmic breathing almost like the purring of like a gigantic cat (laughs) and you hear a voice say what business do you have with me earthlings (laughs) and this voice just echoes through the whole chamber we require a uh, a a weapon that can defeat us i guess a sort of elemental like water like a weapon that can kill water that sounds stupid when i say it really super absorbent towels maybe more absorbent towels like magically absorbent yeah, yeah. like a sham like a sham like a wow. wow oh yeah, yeah. mhm the uh, the wind picks up from below you as you speak, uh, almost knocking you off your feet, which is probably pretty scary given your position, as a massive shape lifts up from the darkness below you, and suddenly the light from Vincent's torch illuminates two great yellow eyes with narrow slits for pupils, <laughs> which eye you over quickly before the figure fully emerges. It is a cat. An unthinkably gigantic gray anthropomorphic cat. And it says, Well, that sounds like quite a challenge. I suppose introductions are in order. The people of this world know me as the Enchanter, Master Artisan of the Arcane. You may call me by my name. I am Heathcliff. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hello, are you looking for a new comedy podcast? In which case, can I draw your attention to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast? It's a fictional industry podcast for the beef and dairy industries. It won Best Comedy at the 2017 British Podcast Awards, and it features wonderful guests such as Greg Davis. To my knowledge, it's the only cow circus that's ever existed in this country. In rural Russia... Every small town has a cow circus. Josie Long. You should have a beef. Have a beef with them. I have a beef with you. I will have a beef with you. Come round my house and I'll have a beef with you. And Andy Daly. That virus never existed. There was never any such thing as a mad cow disease. That was all an illusion that uh, Big Lamb came up with. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I would recommend starting at episode one. Bye. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flowbie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. 